Paul. What is this? Have you seen? Have you? Do you ever do Twitter Spaces? Uh, no, I don't do Twitter. I don't do the bird app. It's, it's actually really good. Really. Like, because you can just start it, and people immediately know that you're online. Uh, but I don't have time for that. Look, like for example, I could do. See, I've done it here, and oh, hang on, is that Dan? Oh, Dan is here. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Late as usual. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I got distracted. I was trying on jackets down the road in one of these fancy really? shops. Yeah, yeah. No, they had some, like, you know, suitably peacock, uh, ridiculous oh, clothes, which I tried on and then didn't buy. <laughs> Peacock wow. clothes. Oh, you know, sort of like bright colours, sort right. of, um, okay. you, you know, formal wears dead. So you can right. start to experiment okay. a little bit. Well, you've been experimenting on the trouser front for years, actually. Look, red trousers are perfectly oh, acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> you've got yellow. What, you've got yellow shoes today. Yeah, yellow shoes. I like my yellow shoes. That's very good. Really so, good. anyway, we're... So, so this is Dino's, to... is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a local in Chiswick. Um, yeah. But Dino, Dino, nice. Dino. Oh. Hello, Dino. everybody. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you. Anything to drink to start with, or you want to start with could some we have sparkling? Could we have a look at the wine list? Sure. Probably have a glass. Can we? Right here. Thank you. Do you want to choose, Dan, or shall I? No, no, you choose. Okay. Is he? Uh, I know I outsource all my wine decisions to those who know things. Any water to start with? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like some sparkling. Sparkling. Yeah, same here, please. Sir. Uh, Should we get a big just, bottle? Oh yeah, big bottle of water. Sure. Lovely. Gabby de Gabby, good. <gasps> I love Gabby de Gabby is my dad's favourite. Oh, let's go for that then. Okay. It's um. We'll get the cheaper one. Okay, <laughs> 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 that sounds good. What's the price list like? Oh, it's fair. It's fair enough. Price is fair enough. Okay. Could we go for a bottle of the Gabby de Gabby? Sure. The cheaper one. Perfect, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Laminaya. Yes, please. Sure. Do you, have, you don't come to this part of London very well? Well, no, I'm a South East Londoner, so um, no. And no. it's not my manner. Not nice your manner. But you do sometimes. No, I had a weird sense of deja vu, but I haven't been here for more than a decade, I reckon. It's quite fancy now, like everywhere you walk past, it's like delis, cafes, it all looked delicious. Chiswick is very sort of middle class mummy, very, yeah. Traditional stockbroker. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, how are you? So it's, uh, your Good. book is coming out when? It comes out in German in two days' time. Why in German first? Because of weird publishing schedules. The Germans were like, we send our books on the 27th of each month, so we're going to do it today. <clears throat> but the English one comes out pretty much on the anniversary, or two-year anniversary of Wirecard collapsing. Was that intentional? On... Yeah, that was, that was planned. <laughs> What's that, 16th? June 16th. Um, but the, I, I got my first copy of the German today, and the translation seems to have added about a quarter to the thickness of the book. Really? Yeah, the Germans use lots more words. <laughs> <laughs> Longer just, words as well. Just, yeah, lovely. Thank great. you. Is that they, just because German is more bulky? I don't know. I've don't never know. spoken German, so I don't know. I don't know. They said it would happen. And also there's more German legal law. It's a little bit different, and so there's lots more 
um, footnotes where they go, oh no, everything we did was completely honourable and above board. So, <laughs> but it's amazing to like actually have them in print to like the stories. Do I strike? You try it. Oh, okay. Fine. You go for it. Well, thank yeah. you. <clears throat> mm, it smells great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Oh, yes, you have to be tipped up. Yeah, congratulations, Dad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Congrats. So this is the this is the first book you've ever written, right? Yeah. Yeah, very much the first one. It was pretty epic. But actually, it was really good fun. Like some of the most fun bits were talking to people like Sam Jones or Stefania Palmer, like when they were off reporting for the FT. And, you know, Sam telling this story about when he starts to. Basically, Murphy sends him to Vienna going, um, yeah, so while you're there, can you just try and, you know, pick up the threads of this international conspiracy um, while you're in Jan Marsalek's hometown? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so Sam like starts doing this without really having any hope. <laughs> but but he talks about um, you know his approach to finding stories is find interesting people, and he meets this Austrian politician, uh, Stephanie Crisper, and he's sitting in her office one day, and he sort of describes it as it's like um, I don't know if you've ever been to Vienna, but it's it's sort of got that like huge baroque architecture and so they're in this sort of like huge um, sort of fin de siècle is that the right word like huge ornate room with some tiny like bureaucratic furniture in the middle of it where he's sitting like a desk with this politician chatting away and right at the end he goes oh by the way have you ever heard of this guy called Jan Marslek he's um, chief operating officer of Wirecard oh yeah just throwing it out there and he sees this look pass across her face of like definite recognition but then her eyes sort of flick to the other people in the room and she sort of goes oh maybe I might have heard that name yes I'll have to come back to you and inside Sam's going oh my god Murphy was right <laughs> <laughs> so that took us all the way down the kind of whole Libyan Russian GRU, that whole kind of scene just opened up to us. It was incredible, wasn't it? It was. It was. That in... is what Vienna is known for, though, isn't it? Indeed, yeah, yeah third man and all that. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. I mean, now, now that it's all over and you've got a book out and a Netflix series, right? Ne well, no, Netflix documentary. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you Pause haven't in made that it as yet. well. Yeah. Lionel's in that. Is yeah, Lionel yeah, in yeah Lionel's in it. Yeah. Who else is in it? Sam's in it. Sam Jones. Sam Jones is in it. Okay. Stefan is in it. And someone is, you've got an actor playing you as well. No, no. no I had to do a bit of acting. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. bit. Acting. <laughs> There's loads, Dad. I've seen it. I've seen I mean, the cuts. To call it acting Fantastic is somewhat of a stretch. <laughs> Are you basically like Cindy Crawford in that one film that she did that was terrible? <laughs> <laughs> It's actually, it's actually really quite exciting, the documentary. It's, um, it is, yeah, you're in it a lot, Dan. He's a lot well, of cycling around. And, cycling. And, and yeah. you know, on the phone, he's, you know, yeah, been and out of the safe. All yeah, sorts of stuff. yeah, there's an FT office mocked up. It's, uh, 
was a fake FT office. No, not a fake FT office. It's a recreated. A recreated. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So how was that whole experience working with the with the, with the film crew and I mean, what was the biggest insight from doing that? Um, from the other side. I mean, it's amazing to see how that stuff gets put together. Mm. I mean, part of it, I'm pinching myself every time. Like, we were thinking about, you know, when we started this story eight years ago. Yeah, I remember. And I'm sitting there in, uh, like, so we did filming out in a Norfolk airfield. It was absolutely freezing in these big old sort of disused um, sort of Air Force buildings, which they now use um, as sets. And it's about two degrees, so it's we're all shivering, <laughs> and they've got this huge heater blasting out air, sort of all wrapped up. And then you just watch all the people involved and everything happening, and these giant cameras with some like crazy expensive lenses. They do, and just sort of seeing that all come together, and then they're like, right, it's your bit. So I'd have to like, okay, take off the coat, and sit there pretending to <laughs> tap away, you know, pick up the phone, answer it. And while well, the director's shouting instructions, and there's a guy with a camera there, sort of about six inches away from your face. Um, so, so you yeah. Went, you went through the whole, like, so next Tom Cruise has to, like, watch his face. <laughs> yeah, no, there was. There but was, how weird is that having what... a film, like, a camera in your face? I've always wondered, like, when, when they do those documentaries, I would be like, you would see that camera, it would make you act not very naturally. Well, there was, there was one moment where he. He was like, okay, so he was basically like, act like you've just discovered something. And I sort of went, oh. And the entire set burst out laughing at how terrible and hammy this acting was. So they're like, okay, <laughs> don't, don't attempt to act. <laughs> don't just do yeah, it. Yeah, they were like, yeah, nice try, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess where I was filmed? What? No. Sweeties. How did you get to choose your life? So how, how different is um, how different is uh, what we're going to see in the documentary to, to the real life experience that you went through? Well, Sweetings was the key moment, right? But that was real. That was just, that's just your life. Well, <laughs> um, only part of my life. The, um, yeah, I mean, it was, the Sweetings moment was pretty key because... Um, that's when it, it was literally just on the day when Dan, you were going with the first big piece. Sorry, two for you. Menus for you. Yep. Great. Here we go, sir. Lovely, thank you. Pleasure. Ah, oh, thank you. Just in time for the sweeting story. What's good? Well, they make all their own pasta, so yeah. that's the reason that's to come here. That's a must, I think, yes. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm always a big fan of polenta. Are you doing a starter or, or just a main? You're cool. Are you having a starter or just a main? I haven't, I especially didn't have breakfast, so I'm happy to have both, but... Yeah, I mean, I could go a starter. They all look delicious. Um, oh, calamari and wasabi sauce. Yeah, that's Yeah, cool. that's a little bit of a twist from our uh, chef. Yeah. It's amazing, you should try it. Okay, done. Right. I will have... Melanzana alla parmigiana is amazing. Um, I do like a parmigiana, melanzana. Mm. And daily I do like. Squid ink risotto is always good. Uh, Nonna's meatballs. That's nice. Mm. It's parmigiana. basically, you know. Yeah, okay, I as, know what I as, want. As they say, what's his name? Marco Pio White was says, 
nature does the work or whatever. Simple but good. I will have... Dan, you go first. I will have the calamari, please. Sure. And the squash capellacci. Capellacci. Sure. Could I go for the... I'll try the parmigiana. Please. Parmigiana? Yeah, and okay. also the beef ragu, please. Yeah, pappardelle. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, I too, I, I too will have the melanzana parmigiana. Yeah. But I will go for the pappardelle. Is that what you're having? Yes. Oh yes. my god, no, no, I have to have something different then. But I, you can no, choose no, 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 no. Uh, something. No, no, no. Uh, pappardelle with, if you want pappardelle with the mushrooms. Well, mushrooms, I'll do that one. Yeah? Yeah. Just, Lovely. I have like a block in terms of like ordering the same thing as someone else. I have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I yeah. Like, well, you want to sample the menu. Don't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a wasted opportunity, otherwise. So but yeah. Did, oh, so did Murphy ever take you to Sweetings? Yeah. Sweetings was like my first Murphy lunch ever. At <laughs> when I like, I've just got back from New York and joined Alphaville, and Murphy's like, right, let's go for lunch. And, and Sweetings only opens for lunch, right? It does. Yeah. Only lunch, only fish. And you have to go early because they don't do reservations. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think the, I think it was, yeah, it was an old city joint. I went there back when I was worked in the bank. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you were like, yeah, write about what you think is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, that's the kind of traditional approach of Alphaville, wasn't it? Yeah. To literally just say, you know, work on the basis you employ interesting people, and whatever you're going to be interested in will be interesting to the reader. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, as they say, self-organizing system. Yes. As long as you. Do you miss out for them? I do. Yeah. I was reading it today and thinking that there's some really good stuff on it. Actually, George Ste- is George Steele on it now. Temporarily, yes. Ah, yeah, and he's doing really good stuff. Um, no, I do. I think when you go independent, you miss the kind of the support system from a bigger organisation. So it's all very like easy to kind of you know throw your toys out the pram and go, I'm very independent or whatever. But the reality is obviously that you miss the editorial support, the kind of feedback, hmm. the um, you know the, the Nigel legal cover, yes. which is very important. Very important. Um, the you know all the good stuff about like editing as well um having second pair of eyes it keeps you in check um so i do i do miss it i think there are and also i think as an independent you think oh well you can do what you want but reality is that you still have to you have to be kind of you still have to put a check on yourself and you have to respond to whoever you're you know You've always got a paymaster, whether it's uh, your, your clients readers. or your readers or whoever. So it's um, it's different, but I have to say it's been very liberating. And my main reason for going independent was always because I wanted to experiment with new things. You've got um, the good name to start with. I like the blind side. Blind side. Blind side. Blind spot. Blind spot. It does have a derivative column called the blind side, which is my Harry Bradshaw element. Oh, well, that's why yeah. I think I saw this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, look, it's within my expectations, but it was always going to be a two-phase plan. So there's the blind spot, and I'm now at the point where I'm trying to raise money, which is really difficult yeah. if you're a journalist. 
because I think it's that's one of the main compromises as an independent is that you know all the kind of stuff people say about oh journalists are corrupt and blah 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 well actually when you go independent you're even more susceptible to being corrupted right mm. because there's no filter so when you go around like trying to raise money you realise it's a bit compromising right so yeah. my intent is to get a business development person ASAP so that I don't have to do those ne negotiations because that's really mm -hmm. like crappy mm -hmm. um, and then you you know I just don't think it's in, in our skill set to do that as a <laughs> you know <laughs> to, to go around asking for money it just yeah. feels very not journalistic yeah. Yeah. we actively try and avoid doing anything <laughs> like that exactly um, but, you know, if you want to expand, you have to have stuff. But as I've said to everybody, I've <clears> learned more about corporate finance yeah. in, in practice in the last three months than like 20 years in financial mm. journalism. Because yeah. it's not until you try and suddenly do at the shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you suddenly realize why well, this is this is why this happens. And this is why all these like, you know, Adam Newman people have mm. evolved because <laughs> actually so you're going to be the next WeWork, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I hope not, but, but the second phase, like I've been, I think it's also really important to kind of have a good crystal kind of concept and I've been taught, I over talk the talk, you have to have your pitch in like two seconds and I've now realised that the second phase is sort of best described as Yelp for journalists. Yeah, okay. Yelp for journalists. For independent journalists. Yeah, okay. So then, then there's like some like order to the chaos of the independent sector. Yeah, okay. Sector. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. See, now you get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the elevator pitch. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, I do miss the lunches, Paul. So, mm. how, so you were saying about sweetings. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated because we haven't talked about this for ages. Like, what was going through your mind in that moment? Well, um, okay, so the, the date, it was the 30th of January 2019. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of, you had gone to um, Wirecard first thing that morning, like 6 a.m. 6 a.m., 6 exactly. Questions had gone in. All the copy was ready, it all gone through legal, it's all ready to push the button. We were just waiting for Wirecard to formally come back and answer your questions. Yeah, I'd given them a right? one o'clock deadline, right. I think, okay. and was feeling pretty sick about it. So I hadn't had any breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I literally just thought, okay, I'm nipping over the, I'm over the river. I'll just go for a quick sandwich in Sweeties and have a glass of Macon Village because we've been up early. <laughs> and, and, and literally, you know, the, the, the wine had just been poured and the sandwich had just arrived and I got a call. And it, it basically the guy said, um, are you writing a piece on Wirecard? You're running something on Wirecard, something negative. Said, what? What, 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 what? And he said, yeah, yes, uh, we hear, you know, everybody's going short. Loads of people, it's all around the market. So I literally put the phone down, paid for my um, uneaten sandwich and wine and scarped back to the office. I mean, but what was going through your mind when he said that? Because we have been, like, the, the efforts we had gone to for secrecy yeah. up for, like, three months. Well, Working just, in the bunker, not yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to anyone, all I that. Just, I just assumed we had a leak. And actually, if I'm honest, I've never really... Um, never really talked in detail about this, but I thought it was somebody in the newsroom. I didn't, you know, there was no way that you or Lionel Barber or, or Nigel Hansen, the, the lawyer, was going to leak it. Yeah. That was the kind of closed, small team. But 
you know, the fact is, across the newsroom, people have access to information. Hmm. And um, there was a risk that somebody had, you know, had mentioned it to somebody. And, you know, these, you know, it was well known that you had a kind of, you know, <laughs> you were after Wirecard. You've been after them for years. Well, this was Peter Spiegel's joke, wasn't it? It yeah. was uh, Ahab. I've yeah. been chasing the great white whale for so long. <laughs> yeah, so if a rumour came out around the market that you were about to publish something, it was going to be negative, you know? Yeah. You weren't going to write anything positive on it. <laughs> if I'm, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was just my assumption yeah, at the yeah. time. I remember you coming in, like... So I'm, I'm sitting there watching the clock, sort of counting down the minutes until one o'clock when, you know, the deadline for Wirecard to come back to us. Because we, <clears throat> we were really worried Wirecard was going to try and injunct us. Yeah. So I'm expecting Nigel yeah. Hansen to appear across the newsroom waving a piece of paper going, we've got to rush to court. <laughs> they're uh, they're trying yeah. to stop the story. So that's what I'm yeah, sort of expecting. All about injunction risk, yeah. And then suddenly... How long does, like, I, I've, since I've never been involved in, in an injunction, how long can you turn one of those around in? I mean, you could do it in the morning if you're prepared. Yeah. I mean, this was one of the reasons why we gave Wirecard the bare minimum amount of time to respond. Like, we sent them two questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gave them seven hours. Yeah. Which we were like, it's a full working day. You're a big company. But yet, the, we... It was sort of... There was still have been time, you know, shillings, the big angry law firm could have just yeah, they, they rushed you, to court you and said notice is saying we, we are you know they alert you to the fact that they are going into court to seek an injunction and you have no option but to kind of pens down and go to court to meet them you, know? yeah. you can't just like push the button and publish it yeah. you'd be held in contempt of court Right. So, so that was very yeah. much So you the would risk. then go straight in front of a judge, and the judge would almost certainly just adjourn the proceedings, yeah. and, the, and a, a temporary injunction would be put in place. Because they always err on the side of caution, uh, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And that would have been a disaster, because I would have had to go present the story and the evidence and basically expose all our sources yeah. Yeah. without getting the story out there and give Wirecard however long to come up with. A reason, like the more time you give someone, the, the easier it is to, to like, come up invent a lie. Defense, yeah. <clears throat> what What do you think? Like, was their most egregious lie? Like, out of all the lies? Well, so I'm oh, sorry. I, well, so this is yeah. so this is the moment which is one of their stupidest lies, right? <laughs> because so Murphy, <laughs> Murphy bursts back into the newsroom, um, and I'm sort of sitting there, and he suddenly sort of comes in, taking off his coat, it's like his face is all red, and he's like, fucking hell, Dan, we've got a leak! <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? What's going on? And we're like, I've just had this phone call. Someone knows the story's coming out, and we're sort of freaking out. But then we're like, hang on a second. The story isn't even in the system yet. Yeah, uh, you know, a few people right. have an inkling yeah. that it's coming. You know, yeah. they know something is coming on Wirecard, but we're like, actually, you're right. I'd forgotten that it wasn't actually in the system. Yeah, see, point. so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so like, it's, you know, so we we were like, okay, well, we can dismiss the leak because none of us have done it, and literally, no one knows it. And they're like, hang on a second, this is Wirecard, isn't it? They've leaked it. <laughs> It was it was the kind of a realization that Wire, uh, Wirecard 
they just had one playbook. Yeah. Every time um, you'd written about them previously, Dan, they'd always reacted in exactly the same way, which was to accuse you of being in league with short sellers and manipulating the market. And so what we could instantly see they were doing was leaking the story into the London market before it had been published so that they could immediately say, look, Dan McCrami's in league with all the short they sellers. Were creating, they were it was creating, it was like a wire card false flag. Yes, yeah, precisely exactly. that. Yeah. Precisely that. They kind of fabricated yeah. a kind of uh, a short attack on themselves. Insane. Mm. Absolutely incredible. And so, so, so in that moment, so we caught them off guard, gave them a really short amount of time to respond, and they put out two lies, which is what killed them. So the first lie was they said, none of this story is true. They completely denied everything. And basically the story was quite simple. It was some lawyers inside Wirecard in Singapore had found out that the head of the finance team there was cooking the books. Yeah. Like inventing contracts, making up sales, that sort of thing. And there'd been an internal investigation, and as soon as they reported it to head office in Munich, it was all squashed and there was a cover-up. And so that was the story. It was just, this guy was investigated, and he's quite important. This is a bit of an issue. And because Wirecard said none of it was true, yeah. it was an obvious lie, which we could disprove. And also it meant there was now no chance of an injunction, because we could say, look, the company's lying about it. All the kind of confidentiality and privilege associated with the documents that yeah. Dan was looking at, all that, all that privilege, all disappeared at the point where they started to lie. Ah. Because you can't, you know, you can't hide criminality yes. with legal privilege. Yes. Okay. So if they yeah. had just said, "You got us." Yeah, it was this one bad apple, yeah. we're going to fire him, clean house, all the rest of it. Gone. They might have been able yeah. to ride it out. But at that point... But they were criminal. Oh, you always said this, like, they're criminals. They can't think like a normal company. They don't want to go in front of judges. That was the other thing. You, you know, a criminal never wants to put themselves in front of a, a high court judge to argue their case. They don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, that was the weird thing. Like, <laughs> they, there was all this, like... You know, obviously, I was on the outside, but... Um, all the time there was this perception that they were going to sue you and there were these threats mm. and, and, and they never materialised in any actual action, right? So you were always on the line. Oh um, no, they did actually sue us in the end. They did in the end, right. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah they sued us for oh. misuse. Oh. Here we go, beautiful people. I've got some almost bush for you. Oh, very nice. Wow. Here we've got the yeah. polenta chips with mozzarella cream and tomato confit. Mm. And then we also have uh, uh, polenta chips with wasabi, crab, and caramelized onions. Beautiful. Yeah, me. It's for you. Before you start, it's arrived. Buon appetito. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Very much. Here you go. Try that. Whilst we can still afford these things. <laughs> thank you. This looks amazing, Dino. Thank you. Buon appetito. Mmm. Mm. I like the wasabi. Mm. Mm. Good to know about this place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like, um, what, what do you call these? Like, apparently? Amuse-bouche. Amuse-bouche. Oh. 
Mmm. Oh, you've got the cheese. What is that? Like a little roasted tomato and some basil and what's the creamy stuff? Is that mozzarella? Mm. Do you know? Sir. What is the delicious creamy thing underneath the tomatoes? Underneath the tomatoes, mm. uh, it was the mozzarella cream. Mm. Mozzarella cream. Yes, it's like a stracciatella, it's called properly in Italian stracciatella. Mm. You know burrata? Yeah. You take only when you open the burrata, you only take the little bit of uh, inside. That's called stracciatella. Mm. So that's how we do the stracciatella. Nice. Mm. Mm, delicious. Nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm. Yeah. No, I was. Um, so I was just chatting to Dino and about, about the inflationary pressures facing all restaurants these days. It's a bit scary. Well, the labour costs. Here, so <clears throat> yeah. Cost of flour. Flour, exactly. Mm. Mm. It's incredible. I have already. See, I've, I, I have. I go into sort of the exact herd behaviour that you're not supposed to go into because I went and bought four packets of flour. <laughs> 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 I know, I'm terrible. Well, was this during the pandemic or just now? This is just now. I didn't you're ba- do it during you're the basically pandemic. buying forward flour. Yeah. Are you, you going to be uh, selling it back out? I'm at the, my yeah. Flour. yeah, so I can rent it out to Italian restaurants. <laughs> mm. It's not as bad as the gigantic Costco bag of rice I bought in 2008. <laughs> Never <laughs> the whole payment system was going to collapse. I did that when the <laughs> pandemic started. Okay, there you go. Do you, remember, crazy. do you remember sort of, no, well, it was like March 2020 when all the rumbling started. Yeah. And it was before we all got sent home. But I just was coming home one day and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and get myself one of those like 20 kilo bags of rice <laughs> and stick it in the garage. And then... Uh, no, it, I mean, it took us about a year to eat it, <laughs> but uh, I just felt better knowing that, you know, if society collapsed, You've we would rice. have some rice to eat. It is the most, you know, essential kind of... Did you have a friend who bought a baseball bat? What? That, that was actually... Pandemic. On the basis that, you know, kind of society would break down. And, um, well, do, do, my dirty secret is that I bought... I don't know if I should reveal this. <laughs> I bought five hundred pounds of Bitcoin on March twenty twenty. Oh that was the gosh. moment I, I kind of like clown money. I can't, I can't believe you crashed. It was still have it. I do. It, it went as it went as far as four thousand dollars, and now it's sorry five hundred dollars, right? Yeah, but it was in, in the. But to be fair, my market timing was perfect. It was the low. It was literally two days from the low. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm going to do it, I did it perfectly. I mean, I'm still feeling a slight sense of betrayal that you cracked and got some clown money. In the context of my 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 concessionary uh, new argument about Bitcoin, which is that it's only good as the ultimate hedge, and that it's best like it, it's a deterrent, like a nuclear deterrent. You have it out there. But only on the basis that it keeps the central banks honest. In yeah. an ideal world, you never actually deploy it or use it. It's just there as a deterrent, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a mechanism. Neil see, Collins but, uh, quite like my argument that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so the basically, p- the whole point is I've got it, but I don't intend to use it. I just have it as a as a 
as an insurance hedge against... Yeah, you see, the, pro the problem is, is whenever you say the word hedge, all I can think of is that uh, funny Swiss official coming and measuring <laughs> your hedge and declaring it not to be straight. That is a true story, yeah. That is true. And, 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 and yeah, I wish he was around now because our hedge is totally up. <laughs> yeah. So you had Marcelet supposed to have put oh. a lot of his ill-gotten gains into Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's within the scope of what they were doing. I mean, it wasn't Handel's Black they reported that. Oh, was it? Yeah. How would they know? Yeah, they definitely just make it up. I'm sure they got some excellent sourcing. You think there's a risk associated with that? If you kind of like, you know, you're now in some kind of bunker outside Moscow, hiding, and you know the local GRU. FSB know that you've got a you know several hundred million dollars in Bitcoin. They're just going to come round and torture you and get your Bitcoin uh, wallet. Yeah, it's, it's what I've in fact and I wrote a post about it's this. I called it the di the diehard risk in your in your crypto portfolio because yeah. if you recall diehard, that's exactly what happens, isn't it? They try they they torture him to get the code. For the, yeah. for the safe. Okay. You don't know Die Hard, obviously. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's like, um, I'm actually reading this cracking book called uh, Under Money mm. by Jane Newman at the moment. It's all about money laundering and um, oligarchs and that sort of thing. But he talks about the point in Russia where you become successful enough that your entire organizational being becomes trying to stop the other rich and powerful people taking your money away from you and it's all about hiding it and layering it and the game and uh, and I think we talked about this right what the cost of laundering money is like 7% these yeah, days incredibly cheap. yeah 7% yeah, to, yeah. To launder money. really yeah how'd you get that figure from a guy um, ex SEA yeah what's the SEA NCA oh NCA yeah um and yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, I assumed it would be like, you know, 30, 30 35%, something like that. Yeah, I, I thought it would be closer to 20 cents on the dollar or yeah. something. 7%. Yeah. You, you know Adam Newman, obviously. Yeah. Um, he's now raised loads of money. Yeah, he's got a fresh venture, hasn't he? So what Adam Newman has done is he's uh, managed to raise loads of money for some crypto flow carbon solution thing. Um, yeah, now why does he need to, I'm sorry, what, he's raised about 70 million or something, hasn't he? I can't, I don't know the figure, but, but I, what, I the reason I mentioned it, sorry, I found my pen now, so it's much better. Um, the reason uh, I mention it is because I'm just surprised that someone like him can just come back into the market and raise money again. Well, it's because markets are crazy, aren't they? Even, even after the kind of recent sell-off. Well, someone else said it's like, you know, Investors are quite forgiving if, if they have 20 cents of the dollar issues. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Do, do, I mean, that's, that's, that's the assumption. But with the WeWork guy, I thought he kind of... No, I'm not talking about Adam Newman specifically, but like, in theory, if you have that kind of need, mm. you know, look, for example, I am just a blog right now. Yeah. Yeah, very easy for someone to give me money and me launder it. <laughs> it's like effectively the be best business model for laundering. Not that I would ever obviously yeah. do that, but like it's perfect because like there's no like it's You're just not gonna look a gift horse in the mouth. 
Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's just like if you've got, if you if you need to do it with alternative, you know, I you you for example, you could play. We could do a deal off, off balance sheet, and then you pay me officially through my account, and then uh, by buying me a subscription. But it doesn't mean that you're buying it for my services. Mm-hmm. You know, my my amazing journalistic services. You might be buying it for something else. It's yeah. impossible to. Sure. That's the kind of. Um, you know, the transaction laundering um, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. that goes around everywhere. Oh, oh. Here we go, beautiful people. Oh, wow. Calamari. Melanzana, La Parmentana. Oh, that looks really good as well. Thank you very much. Food envy. Mm, I don't know, that's Would you like some rosemary feel... bread? Homemade rosemary bread? Yes, please. With that, sure. Lovely. Oh, well, feel free to try one. Yes, same here. What I couldn't understand, though, the, um, the WeWork guy. Um, I thought he had trousered north of a billion from WeWork. Yeah, he was. It was um, definitely in the hundreds of millions at least. Yeah. So, what, so why does he, does he need to raise money for his new venture? He should be able to see it himself. I think he has. I think to a certain degree he has, hasn't he? Right. And then he's just managed to get. Maybe he's just doing it for the lols. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just I just find it amazing that the market can have like confidence. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story about Dan Wagner, um, which is, he met Marcelek. Oh, did he? Um, so this is from, <laughs> this, this is from one of Marcelek's friends. So what, so, so Jan Marcelek is like this super charming Viennese like guy who's loves doing deals, always the next big thing. And wherever he went, they'd always spend huge amounts of money on wine. Like drop a thousand dollars here, a thousand dollars there. Yeah. But he didn't really care about the wine. All he cared about was the price and like the brand. Like he wasn't into wine. And what he liked to do is um, he seemed to enjoy the moment when the bill came. So they'd order a whole load of wine and obviously you're sort of assuming he's gonna pay for it. But you know that uncertainty when you're like with someone you've just met? And I think what Marcelek enjoyed was that moment of uncertainty mm-hmm. where yeah. you're like, who's paying for this? Because I really hope it's not me. <laughs> and so <clears throat> and so the less the less he likes someone, the longer he let them dangle. <laughs> and um, and apparently, th- this is what the friend said, that uh, they met Dan Wagner and really let him think that they're about to stiff him with the bill. <laughs> but then right at the end, Marcelet would pull out like a huge amount of cash and be like, oh, it would be my honour to take care of this. And he would actually pay the bill in cash? Oh yeah, he'd always pay the bill in that's cash. That's hilarious. Yeah, so the solid gold credit card was quite unusual. He always used cash. But that's hilarious. I know, exactly. I mean, he ran a payments flag. company. That is a red flag yeah. if you ever saw one, right? Yeah. Although that's not so unusual. Germans... Did love using cash. cash. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the funny thing about a payments think company the and they all that's paying cash. A payments company would be like, wait, you know, look, I I know that we like cash, but we are we're bringing digital payments to Germany before mm. digital. You're right though, it is a fantastic red flag, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you know, I know that from dealing with stock market bandits. They pull out a roll of fifties and pay for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> kind of where, you know, where's that money come from? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. 
it is a, a total red flag. Uh, oh, well, that's like, who's the sports direct guy? Oh, um... What's his name? Uh, Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley. You know when he was invited to um, Parliament to speak to the, uh, to the like, government inquiry? Yeah. So obviously there's huge amounts of paparazzi everywhere. And he has to go through the metal detectors, and he pulls out that huge mm. bankroll of fifties from his story. pocket and plonks it in the uh, <laughs> in the tray to go through the X-ray, just as a like, yeah, see what I think about this whole proceeding. Yeah. I haven't found him, I no, but I mean, the, so the latest reports put him in Moscow. Ah. So the, um... Not, in the, not on the Ukrainian border somewhere. So the, so I think it's the BND in Germany has to report to... Oh, the perfect, thank mm -hmm. you very much. Would you guys want to try some of this calamari? Oh, I feel like I've just consumed this without sharing. Oh no, that's fine, don't worry, but um, go for it, it's nice with the wasabi. Just for the sake of mm. tasting. Okay, Taste sensation. There you go. Mm. I do think the wasabi mix sounds really interesting. Rosemary bread. Mm. Oh yeah, I'll try a little bit of that. Thank mm. you. Oh, warm. Mm. That works really well. Yeah, it's nice, isn't mm. it? Mm. Mm. I'm glad, thank you. Because mm. you wouldn't think calamari and wasabi. I'm going to have to put the second bit in. I'm alright, I'm not a calamari fan. Oh, okay. Do you not like... You're a bit into seafood, though. I know, I've just I don't know, never, never got into calamari. But, um, so yeah, you were saying, mm. um, these what? So the Russian, sorry, not the Russian, the German Secret Service, the BND, uh, has to report to a parliamentary committee about what they're up and what's going on. And so they told the MPs on that that, um, I might get this wrong, but they, they had basically been informed by another intelligence agency that Marsalek was in Moscow. And obviously, as you can tell from all the reports around the parliamentary committee, the German parliament's quite leaky. <laughs> you know, all parliaments are leaky. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise. And, um, and so the assumption is that, um, so Marslek has been communicating with his lawyer. And so, and this is pure speculation, but like the people I talked to in the German press have said, yeah, it seems likely that someone somewhere may have been tapping those conversations between Marston and his lawyer. I mean, it's totally illegal in Germany. You yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. But, but they do it anyway. But uh, who was tapping Merkel's phone? I can't remember, but I feel like that was a story at some point. CIA. I yeah. yeah. So... Well, isn't... I mean, everyone is... All that tapping technology is in the market, right? So it's just... I know mm. that like, you're bound by regulations, but... I kind of think they, they just... You know, it's kind it's of terrifying. It's a question of listening. But if you don't tell anyone you're listening, you can do it, right? As long as it doesn't emerge that you're... Mm. It's about how you act on the information you glean from the yeah. listening. And there have been... Um, just recently, there have been some reports that... I think some part of Russian intelligence offered German intelligence the chance to talk to Marsalek. And the premise was he maybe wants to come back. He doesn't want to spend the next 40 years of his life on the run. Mm -hmm. But again, 
I don't know, we're into spooky territory, so who knows? I'm surprised the German authorities haven't used that knowledge that Marslik is in Moscow for a kind of, you know, kind of propaganda purposes relating to the kind of Ukraine and that. You know, it's a, kind yeah, exactly. of, it's a very clear illustration there, the kind of Putin regime is kind of like, you know, the gang criminals harboring a kind of a clear yeah. criminal. My guess is the problem is Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor, yeah. was Finance Minister when yeah. they investigated yeah. us instead of Wirecard. <laughs> so it's a bit of an embarrassing topic forgetting that, for everyone yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing is, maybe not the clear <laughs> PR win that you're thinking <laughs> It's not, I'd forgotten that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Although he did give us a cracking quote, which uh, they stuck on the book. book, for the German book. What did he say? Um, oh, we called it like the, you know, the investigation of the decade or... Um, how, how can we... Oh, I, I can't remember exactly, but uh, he, he gave this laudation when um, I won a German and But like, like he'd had his memory erased or like... What, like... No acknowledgement of his like non-belief in you before. <laughs> I mean, I think he did. I think he might have made reference to some of that in the speech. Yeah. Um, I can't remember it exactly, but yeah, he no, he did say some nice things about it, and you know, done a service to, uh, to German finance or to Germany. Yeah. So when are you touring Germany? Um, well, or have you? I need to. Ma- I need to make some plans to tour, but I think. Um, it's been crazy busy trying to like, yeah, just no. get the... I've been giving them loads of air cover. You know, <laughs> you know, ruler keeps coming. So, you know, Paul, what's the next wire card? What's Dan doing? What's Dan doing? I say, oh, Dan's, Dan's busy. I have yeah, got Dan, some Dan, stories, Dan's by got the way. some stories. Dan's got some stories. Don't, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And that is true. I do have some stories. They are, they're, they're just taking a while. But, um, but yeah, it was also like trying to organise the launch of books in two countries yeah. is uh, yeah. takes a little bit of mental capacity yeah. but the trial starts Marcus Brown is going to have his day in court in the autumn so I think maybe I should you know organise a book tour there go and um, you should, you should but I, I also like I mean the it'll be kind of ridiculous to go to much of the trial because I mean one of the funny things about it all is I don't speak German <laughs> <laughs> you just sit there being for fun. You can use Google Instant like translate. Yeah, but but I want to go to court and actually just get a look at Marcus Brown in person for the first time. I'm gonna give him a little wave. Hello. Hi, Marcus. <laughs> you should definitely go to the. But the, oh, yeah. the actual should, case is going to go on for a long mm. time, though, isn't it? German legal um, is it, cases. Are those cases public? Like, do you, mm. how do they, they report on them? It's not American like live are, stream Johnny Depp and the Heard style. This is one of the things that, I mean, it was sort of what I wrote about in the book was like, each time we discovered how. I don't want to use the word weird because that's a bit prejudicial but the German system is so different to ours mm. like there are no jury trials except for murder I think so he's gonna so it'll be three judges so there's no contempt of court like yeah. in the UK to write the book we probably have to wait until the trial was yes, finished exactly. yep. or get it out before they're charged Thank you. Um, sure. whereas there's no jury so you don't have contempt of court and um, but he also he's been in he was in jail for almost two years before he was charged. Right. Because they charge you at the end of the process rather than the start. That's weird. Yeah, again, all really weird. Yeah, I guess it is. So, so in terms, so where, 
This is Marcus Brown, obviously. Yeah. So, um, was he allowed to keep his polo neck? It is. It, have you watched the Netflix Theranos thing? Just uh, speaking of black polo neck. Yes, I have. What did you think of yeah, it? It's okay. Like the book. The book's better, I thought. Yeah. But um. So he. What's. Do we know anything about the case in terms of like his art, like how he's going to so, argue his way out of it, or? So they're going to try and charge him for sort of. I think it's gang fraud, basically for being the architect of the fraud, as well as market manipulation and some other charges. But the thing that they are lacking is the smoking gun. Oh, right. And, yeah, and so, one, so one of the things that people kept telling me as I was researching the book was, like, Marcus Brown wasn't someone who took notes in meetings. And if he wanted to talk to you, he would call you into his office and have a chat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all his emails were handed to the parliamentary inquiry, and so lots of people have seen them. And he didn't send a lot of emails. They're mainly sort of PR focused and stuff. So we know we knew he talked to Marcelek all the time, but we don't have his Telegram chats. And you know, Wirecard basically operated on Telegram, certainly with all these senior guys. Can you ask um, who's the Telegram guy? I mean, it's all encrypted, so I guess not. Well, oh no, that's a funny thing. We keep saying Telegram's encrypted. Telegram isn't encrypted. Really? Yes, it, not by default. Oh. You, should, you should not use Telegram. <laughs> Absolutely not. I did not know this. Um, like you signal that Telegram, you have to choose to have a secret conversation with people. Uh, then it's encrypted end to end. But like everything else is end to end encrypted by default. But Telegram isn't. Oh, that's insane! I had no idea. Yeah. Do you know what I've what like in the kind of new Cold War era? Yeah. I've started to like judge people on what messenger app they choose to speak to me on. Right. <laughs> so it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like the Telegram people are like obviously potentially inclined <laughs> that way. Yeah. In in the um, and then obviously it signals the West. CIA, I guess the CIA yeah. or somebody. Oh, and Jan Marsalek invested $7 million in the Telegram IPO. Did he? Yeah. Interesting. ICO. 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 Oh, yes. Initial coin offering. They had that offering. ICO. When the ICOs were still a thing. Yeah, and Remember then the, they raised $1.2 billion. Jeez. In then, actual property. In actual real money. That dollars. is actually worth revisiting. I've yeah, but then the SEC them. made them give it back. Yeah, because yeah. they were like, uh, oh, this know. is a securities offering. You can call it a coin mm -hmm. offering if you want, but it's a security. It's a security. And so they were like, okay, well, just just give all the money back. Interesting. Yeah. So what now, like where you are now, do you look back at the sort of ridiculous like Jedi mind tricks they performed on you with like a bit of fondness because it's it's a war story now? As you know, Paul had so many war stories. And now you not, the, not not like this. Not, not like this. Yeah. God, not like this. But it was it was like it was full on psyop, like on you, yeah. isn't it? Like at the time, did you start to doubt yourself? Like was there a moment when you're like, bloody hell? So, I don't think we ever doubted what we were facing. Like, I always, rem I mean, the thing I always say is, we'd have these meetings with sort of Lionel, Nigel, me and Paul, going through the copy or what we're going to do or reacting. And each time we got like, you know, we'd get stuck on a legal point or something, Paul would be like, hang on a second, we're dealing with a 
criminal company here, right? And we all know that. So that kind of was reassuring. It's, I think one, one thing that's been difficult to get across, I think, to people is how, how it's, it, it kind of, it, it was like being in combat where it ramped up progressively through, I mean, it just literally got heavier and heavier. And, um, you know, you, journalistically, we're supposed to kind of come at things with an open mind and balance and all that sort of fair, if you take a fair view. There was nothing fair about this. You had to take them down. Yeah. <laughs> you actually had to take them down. They, they, they compromised. Well, you, they, you said they, this all the time. Yeah, they, they literally, they had questioned, they kind of questioned the integrity of the FT. Yeah. All right. And so money was no issue. You know, it was all about how do we find the evidence and present it um, in a way that literally kind of pulls the blinkers off all these Germans that, um, you know, politicians, bankers, the whole kind of, um, the whole elite of Germany were completely, I don't know what, they just were completely what blind get, to what, what was going what on. What do you think motivated that, like now in hindsight? Because it was, I remember very clearly, and all those analysts, remember all those yeah, analysts? Yeah, 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 and, and the press just like, because usually back in the day, like, if you came up with a good lead, the press pack would support you and you'd, you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd be the first to like, highlight something weird and then suddenly it became like a competition yeah, who would crack it. But the, yeah. here was the exact opposite. So you, you'd put forward this compelling evidence and then it was like a like an omerta almost amongst the, the especially the German press to not talk about it. But they It wasn't what, I, I mean, the thing is I think basically what Wirecard did very effectively was turn it into a battle between it and the Financial Times. Mm. And lots of the German press fell for that. So instead of taking what we produced as a starting point and like trying to find out more and investigating it themselves, like the Munich local paper, Süddeutsche Zeitung, did do that. They went and found our original whistleblower themselves um, from uh, some of the documents which were circulating and did their own reporting. But you know, a lot of the press was just like, well, here's what the FT says, and here's what the company says, and this is great entertainment, isn't it? Look at the drama. And, oh, maybe these foreign journalists are corrupt. Which, th that always surprised me. Yeah, that's... But, I mean, I don't think we've ever met a corrupt journalist, have we? No. Oh, Paul, 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 okay, that was a, there, there was a look of uh, searching your memory there. I have, I, I have, but in, you know, I've been a journalist for more than 30 years, and it's only in one or two cases, and they're both a long, long time ago, have I seen proper kind of corruption amongst yeah. financial journalists. You actually, you know, as we've discussed in the past, you actually have to be whiter than white now. Yeah. You really do, because you will get investigated by the authorities. You will have kind of, you know, corporate intelligence firms yeah. crawling over you. <laughs> it's, it's not like the days when Piers Morgan could claim he was so drunk that he couldn't remember who yeah. gave him the insider trading <laughs> stock tip. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, that is that. the thing, like, you have to be like a priest. But, but, but also, it was more than that, wasn't it? It was the, it was the German press in general 
just couldn't acknowledge the fact that we do you, do they kind of were willfully blind. Well done. Oh, yes, yeah, that's lovely. Delicious. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Um, they were willfully blind to the fact that this was the FT publishing this material, which was very aggressive, and that it would obviously go through all the kind of professional checks and balances and and processes that a major newspaper has. Exactly. You know, it wasn't just this whole idea that Dan was, you know, some kind of, you know, kind of... Random. <laughs> random yeah. and, and attack dog who just did what he wanted. It was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But I think that the bigger picture is yeah. this was the fake news, or the effect of this fake news insult is that it sort of corroded the trust and authority. We slightly discovered that the FT didn't have that brand and reputation, at least in some parts of Germany, that we thought yeah. it just naturally did. Yeah. Because Wirecard was saying, this is fake news. Yeah. And that that's like, good enough for Twitter. Is that just like old school Anglo-German rivalry? Like, you know, the way... The... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that in yeah. it as well. You know, it's like those darn Brits, we don't trust them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit of free for all as well, like the end of like independent authority generally. It is weird though. Do you think, do you think, um, I mean, how, have you since everything came out, did any of those guys <clears throat> ever contact you and say, geez, we were wrong and sorry for doubting you? One of the really lovely things about like researching the book was I went to Munich yeah um, I got special dispensation to travel during the pandemic for the parliamentary inquiry and so they went down to Munich and met a bunch of former employees and they were all like completely lovely and sort of slightly embarrassed <laughs> um, I remember one guy saying um, yeah we used to think you were the devil <laughs> and, and it was great because they were sort of they were really willing to open up and talk about what had happened because they were sort of they felt bad in a way for going yeah we thought you were <coughs> totally wrong and corrupt and the criminal here and then they turned around and it's like oh no I was standing next to the conspiracy all along and I had no idea and that is the amazing thing about it because they yeah. literally they literally deployed the big lie. Like, that was perfect yeah. deployment of it in some ways, wasn't it? And I've got a lot of sympathy. Like, if you worked at Wirecard, like, I went to the offices and, you know, had a look around. And, like, they had this big complex of buildings, thousands of people worked there, doing real jobs. And it was, you know, part of the reason it was so good because they didn't have to worry about making any money. It was losing money hand over fist. Yeah. You can employ a lot of people that way. But... You know, we can argue about the number of people involved in the fraud, you know, is it 10, is it 50, but in a company of 6,000 people, that's a whole load of people yeah. who were just getting along with, doing the right thing, having no idea what was really happening. Yeah, but you still, I still can't get away from the fact that, you know, the, the supervisory board, the chairman, well, the two chairmen, um, I can't remember the name. Uh, of the Thomas Eichelman and Wolf Matthias was the elderly you know, guy. They were still, you know, they blind, blind, were blind to the fact that, you know, they, these are intelligent people with a lot of experience who still wanted to believe 
that the FT was constantly making this stuff up. That's just kind of, it, you know, it's... It, yeah. it, it, it's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. As any, you know, I, I would love everyone... to be able to sit down with some of those individuals and say, well, what did you think when we published that? You know? And that. <laughs> and that. And that spreadsheet. And, you know, I mean... Like they were I mean, you know, you should take yourself out of the gene pool. You really shouldn't be kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's like they were mind hacked. But because also, like, there was that whole Twitter, you know, swarm that was attacking you, right? Oh, did we ever tell you about what we found out about some of the Twitter stuff? No, no, no. So, um, um, like some guys at the FT can sort of pull back like the last 3,000 tweets yeah. of people. So I gave them a bunch of names of um, like guys who were attacking us on Twitter. Were they all of Elon Musk? Could we get another bottle of the Gabby? Thank you. Are we on the second bottle already? Yeah. Oh well, this is a Murphy lunch obviously. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Why not? And um, so, so we gave them a bunch of names of these Twitter guys who were attacking us. And um, and they and they looked at them, uh-huh. and they they presented as, you know, tech investors. Yeah. Commenting on tech, you know, investor things like that. And then you look back, and um, and then you would see that they had only recently started tweeting about tech. And before that, there'd been about a three-year silence where nothing Perfect. was happening. Thank you. Yeah. And then before that, like one of the guys who was a tech investor was a spam bot who who tweeted exclusively about hair care products. Oh my god! Yeah. And you could see this with the other accounts as well, and they were clearly just paid just spam yeah, bots yeah, yeah, and shills. But it, it was very cleverly done, and they looked like real people. This is this is fascinates me because this is I mean whether you like him or hate him this is Elon Musk's thing right with the bot the bot argument right yeah uh, are, we, are we on the same one again yeah yes yes please I mean it's it, I mean look I have some sympathy for the bot thing like authenticating all the people on Twitter probably is a good thing you know. I mean, yeah. first by Bitcoin. Now it sounds like you're dangerously close to sympathising with Elon Musk. No, What's no, happened here? You want an edit button? As I've said publicly, I see Elon Musk as a sort of Han Solo person. Like he's obviously the, the definition of the fake it to make it man. But I have some sympathy on his like bot attack on Twitter. I mean, don't you find? I mean, you're not on Twitter, famously. But um, I still have to read Twitter. But um, the bot thing really is. Obviously, like the work hard is a yeah. is a demonstration of how bots can basically mind hack people. I mean, yeah. cor- correct me if I'm wrong. You'll probably know the law better than I do. But doesn't Han Solo always claim he like had this super fast ship which did the castle run it's and some? The Ma- Millennium Falcon. Yes. And what okay. does Elon Musk have? Well, hang An on. actual Falcon rocket. Oh, of course. <laughs> but Han Solo always claims it was super fast and could do the Kessel run and like but (laughs) at no point in the films do they actually show it flying really quickly because it always breaks down that's why it's such a great analogy yeah exactly he is Han Solo yeah I mean, because he's he's got that like woman womanizer thing going on. Denied. 
in a very specific... Oh, no, he didn't deny it. He denied <laughs> it in the way... Now, I'm not saying it's a lie, but <laughs> it's an interesting way, uh, way to answer a question, which is, well, if I had done this thing, I'm sure other examples of me doing this thing would have come to light, given I've been so famous for so long. Yeah, and he's obviously like, picked a fan. That's an interesting you know, way of answering that question. Jabba the Heart is obviously the SEC. Yeah. I mean, the metaphor is brilliant. I, I, I do think he's like a hand Solo. And as, as a sort of, you know, sometimes you love him, sometimes you hate him, but sometimes you know he's a total scoundrel, but he's kind of like a lovable scoundrel at the same time sometimes. So that's how I, that's my new, like, that's my new take on Elon. He does have a shtick which people respond to. It's fantastic to watch the mess he's in at the moment though, yeah. isn't it? With, the, with, uh, with, with yeah. Tesla kind of stop oh, diving yeah. as he's kind of, you know, <clears throat> on the hook for Twitter. I mean, it's what a mess. So do you think he can walk it back? Twitter well, I don't understand enough about um, um, US M and M and A. Um, you know, they don't have a takeover panel. Yeah. Um, Could it happen here in the UK? Um, no. I don't so, think so. so no. You, you are at that point. You are. You have to go forward. Yeah. And you can't renegotiate the price. Even if there's. Because yeah, there's a point. Is he had his chance to do to do the due diligence. He, he was also buying stock at a higher price. You can't bid yeah. you can't bid under the stock in Britain you can't bid under the price you've been buying stock at over the past six months or whatever the regulations are around that. I'm out of date on it. We need your uh, column. Why the American market needs a takeover panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A takeover panel yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the takeover panel's Christmas card list actually. Bryce isn't. Well, um, yeah, but I, I wonder if, um, yeah, now look, the, the, whatever you think of Elon, I do think the bot thing is obviously a massive issue. And Wirecard, um, Wirecard <coughs> proves that because the fact that they could weaponize that they could weaponize like all these accounts mm. and basically create this swarm perception that misled everybody it just shows you how easily it is to, to do that i think yeah it's one area i'd still love to see much more detail of how that whole kind of operation worked with you know what role arcanum global played mm-hmm. arcanum global it's this operation it's on number one knightsbridge um, can you remember the guy who runs uh, Ron Wahid? Ron Wahid, and it's a it's a kind of in- corporate intelligence firm, and it's just its entire kind of senior leadership is all ex UK intelligence or US intelligence. Oh, and it always has a former head of the British Army, um, and you know they were running the kind of black ops stuff. Well, hang on, hang on. Well, we we. We well, suspect that one of the... Th- so they were definitely paid by Wirecard very large amounts of money. Uh, yeah, but we know that they were actually kind of um, putting a whole case to the FSA. Yeah, that we were corrupt. That, that we were corrupt and, and kind of market, you know, market manipulation, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And there was that... Um, we, do you remember there was also that weird thing? It suddenly came back to me because... You know, w- one of the frustrating things was it was hard. I, I didn't put Arcanum in the book because right. 
you have to cut some stuff and there's so yeah, much detail yeah. and, and we could you know there were these letters written to um, from Arcanum in this very formal way to Wirecard yeah. right towards the end in a by the way it didn't it's probably sense. appropriate that I should recap all the above board and legitimate things that we've been doing for you over yeah. the past year yeah, just like in case uh, well no I think they were they Ooh. were uh, fairly Papardelle with wild mushroom and truffles. Oh wow! Squash, capellacci. Mmm. Papardelle with ragu. Wow, lovely, fabulous. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank I um I do love a bit yeah. of truffle. Um, I'm getting a bit drunk now, so I have to. Okay. Eat. <laughs> but the thing, oh, but just just finally on Arcanum yeah. was like, uh, like I'm sure they would say, oh no, it was completely above board. What are you talking about? You're just suspicious because it was a criminal company. We knew nothing. <laughs> but there was a point when um, it's a whole long shaggy dog story where someone approached me late 2017 trying to get me to write like basically an attack on a company with the short thesis oh, really? and, thank you and um and i was only and i was only just looking back at my thank notes the much. other day and i noticed they they mentioned it's better not for this oh cool, yes please uh they mentioned oh yeah we're working with arcanum on this uh, is it, i have not heard arcanum yeah and that's yeah, and it, and it turned out the guy was a friend of Marcelex and who was trying to set me up and were they trying to work out how we worked? But yeah, that was just another weirdness. Which there were so many weird things that they kind of get lost yeah. by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. You can't like you can't record any of them. If somebody decides to target a journalist these yeah. days, like the potential. I mean, I, I can't believe you withstood it at all. Yeah. Like, the, the mental scar. I remember that day you yeah. were like, you came in, you, we were wondering if you were being followed. Yeah. And I was really worried for you. We hadn't <laughs> seen you for like two hours or something. Like, you were two hours late or something. Or something. Oh, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what's happened to Dan? Maybe he's been put into a trash bin. <laughs> 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 I'm a bit worried. Mm. Do you remember? Mm. And that was that thing which we, um, oh, you know, the really top, top secret, like you can't tell anyone about this thing. Oh my God. Actually, by the way, this phone is off, right? Uh, oh, my, oh my God, Paul. What? You know, I was showing you the Twitter spaces. Oh.